chapter 8. And as you're doing that, here's the thing. We've been talking about words. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, my tongue. And so you can't speak a little death and speak a little life and think you're going to walk in victory. I got to really, really, really be careful with the words that go out of my mouth every day, constantly. And so before we get going here today, I'm going to have them show you a video, and this will just give you a little bit of insight on the power of your words. You guys can go ahead and show that, please. Change your words, you change your world. And I believe that, and that's what we've been speaking about here for about five, six weeks, and so we're going to end it today. Now, if you got your Bible, go to, to John chapter 8, verse 31. Let's begin here. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, probably most of our lives, it's easy to, to confess John 8, 32. You'll know the truth. The truth will uh, set you free. That's true, but not entirely. If you go back and look what Jesus said in verse 31, it'll help you a little more. It said, if, if. Now, you've got to really circle that if. If you abide in my word. That word abide means to continue in. To stay in. To live in. So you know what that means? The word of God is not hit and miss. The word of God is not to be applied just when I want it. The word of God is to live in it. Day by day by day. Over and over and over. See, excellence, guys, isn't an act. Excellence is a habit. And I believe that's what happens when our words when we continually speak the word, I got to hear the word. I got to believe the word. I got to speak the word. I got to do the word. How often? 
I got to make a lifestyle out of it day by day by day. Now turn to your right or back to your left, I mean, to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and this is one of the, the most famous passages of Scripture on, on your tongue. Now in this passage here in Mark 11, Jesus from a distance, he sees the leaves on a fig tree. Now when a fig tree had leaves on it, that meant it had figs on it. And so from a distance, Jesus sees these leaves on this fig tree, and he's thinking, i got to get there, I got because it's going to have figs on it. Well, he gets there, and it says, there was no figs. So Jesus, according to Mark 11, he curses the fig tree. Now, that doesn't mean he said, you blankety-blank tree. That means he used the power of words. I believe in here, Jesus was showing us That when we speak and we understand the words we speak, there's power in our words. And so in this passage here, the disciples saw what happened to the fig tree. It withered and died. Now pick pick up with me in verse 22, Mark 11, 22. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Several translations will say it this way, have the God kind of faith. So he's telling us here, This is how you got to live with the God kind of faith. Now, just for a little bit, think about how God took faith and used it. In Genesis 1, over and over and over again, you'll see this. And God said, let there be, and whatever God said, it happened. So God was showing us here that even in his own life, When he desired there to be light, what did he do? He said, let there be light. And there was light. And not only that, you can look at several illustrations in the Bible. Remember there was a guy named Abram, and God said to Abram, he said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which meant the father of many nations. When God said that to Abraham, Abraham didn't have no kids. He didn't look like the father of many nations. But in Romans 4, it says that Abraham believed what God said. So it's uh, it's important that we understand this. Now, in this passage, Jesus takes time to give us the application of the God kind of faith. Verse 23, and I'm going to read 23 and 24 really fast and we'll come back. For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, in these two verses here, many times when it comes to saying and when it comes to praying, and these, these go way past what our physical senses can handle or they can believe. I mean, when you talk about saying to a mountain and believing those things you pray will happen, a lot of times our physical senses, they just tilt. But yet right here in both of these, you got to get a hold of this. you got to have faith with it, guys. The whole New Testament is about faith. Now, in this passage here, Jesus is going to teach us some things. He goes on to say this in verse 23, For surely I say to you. That's me and you. Whoever. That's me and you. You're a whoever. Whoever says to the mountain. Now the mountain right here, guys, is symbolic 
to hindrances in your life, problems in your life, circumstances in your life. Now, I don't need to show a hands because every one of us in here, we got some type of hindrance, some type of problem, some type of circumstance right here. And Jesus, if you'll notice, he says, will say to the mountain. Jesus didn't deny the, the existence of the mountain. Do you know what that tells me? You can't just see your problems over there and have this mindset. If I just don't think about them, if I just don't look over there, then they're going to go away. They're not going to go away. That mountain's going to be there again tomorrow. But what does he end up telling us? He says, whosoever will say to the mountain. Now, we got to get where we understand. i got to start speaking to the hindrances of my life. Now, look real close what he says next. And he said, be removed and cast into the sea. You know what that means? Get out of my life. Now, Jesus is telling us right here, guys, there's power in your words. So he says, be removed and be thrown into the sea. Now, get this. And does not doubt in his heart. Now, doubt, guys, is the very opposite of faith. So he's telling us right there, you got to speak to the mountain, but you got to get to the point in your life where you don't doubt what you're saying. You believe exactly what you're saying, and you can jump back over and think about what Jesus did. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, I don't think he spoke to it and then crossed his fingers and said, I really hope this works. I mean, he just used the power of his words, and he spoke to it. This is important for each one of us to get this. He goes on to say this. And does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. I don't believe Jesus was bluffing here, guys. Now, if you look at uh, Romans 10, when it comes to getting born again and giving your heart to Jesus, it says these two things. You will believe in your heart... And you will confess with your mouth. That's exactly what this verse is telling us. The same thing. So the way you got born again is the same way you speak to the mountains in your life. Get the word in your mouth and then begin to believe it. Keep speaking and keep speaking and keep speaking. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, these are different. When you look at verse 23, Jesus starts talking about you have authority in your mouth. Verse 24, when it says, and whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. When you pray, you're asking God to do something for you. In either situation, this was Jesus' words. So he's telling you, there's times there's going to be power and authority in your mouth. And there's other times you just begin to pray and ask God. Now, your voice and my voice is the voice of authority. Now think back to what we talked about earlier. Jesus said in Matthew 8, or John 8.31, if you abide in me. So I've got to continue in the word. And i got to continue in the Word. And i got to continue in the Word. And part of that is continue to speaking. Now, I said your voice is the voice of authority. You've got to be careful 
what you authorize to come out of your mouth. Now, for years of my life, guys, I had a problem with sleepwalking, and it, it was so uh, abnormal. It was horrible. There's some things that I did in my sleepwalking, guys, that I haven't ever shared yet in my life. I believe I will. But some of it borderline on some of the stuff like the madman and Gadara did. Some of it was, you talking about embarrassing. But I found in the scripture in Proverbs 3.24 that he said he gives his beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. So I begin to speak that. I begin to get my mouth in line with that. Now, the mountain of my life was not sleeping well at night. So I begin to speak the word of God to that mountain. And I'd say, whoo, he's given me sweet and peaceful sleep. Now, this is what I mean by you got to be careful what you authorize your little mouth to say. A lot of times as human beings, when it doesn't happen on our timetable, you know what you find yourself saying? It doesn't work. That Bible stuff doesn't work. Actually, the mountain's getting bigger. It's getting worse. Now, what did it say there in John 8, 31? If you abide in my word, if you continue to speak the word, speak the word, speak the word, just keep speaking the word, and what ultimately will happen, that word of God that may be spoken in doubt, it'll jump down into your heart. And before long, you'll actually begin to believe the exact word of God you're speaking. Listen, guys, I spoke that over my life, and I spoke it over. Did it change overnight? No. Did it change within the first week? No. I kept speaking to the mountain. I kept, guys, I sleep well now. I don't prowl the neighborhood at night anymore. And so what does this mean? You can speak to the mountain. You can ask and you can pray. I got to believe God's word above my circumstances and above my problems. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the Word of God is working mightily in me. And the Word of God is a seed, guys. And it will continue to move, and it will continue to move. Now, if you'll notice in here, Jesus said a couple things. In verse 23, he said, whatever things you say. In verse 24, he said, and whatever things you pray. And so you begin to see that Jesus said this to us. So if he said this to us, this tells me two things. Number one, I must be able to do it, or he wouldn't tell me to do it. And number two, I better start doing it. I better start getting a hold of this. Now, this is what Jesus said. I believe when we're right with God in our hearts, there becomes a connection with God. And when there's a connection with God, you tap into God's power. And when you tap into God's power, something begins to happen. Now here's your nugget today. When things aren't going the way Jesus said they would, saying and praying, you got to look and say, where is the hindrance in this? Now here's the nugget, guys. The hindrance isn't God. God doesn't miss it. And God's word doesn't change. So you know what that means? The problem is me. And that can be as much as this. 
that I don't continue in the Word. I hadn't been abiding in the Word. My heart's not right. Or it can be also, guys, that you may be walking in doubt and unbelief. Those things will uh, short-circuit your faith every time. But when my heart is right and I'm connected to God, I believe it'll be as simple as Jesus said it would be. That when I begin to speak the Word of God, when I begin to pray, things happen. How many of you have ever tried to work the things of God or you try to force them to happen? And I've done that before. And you know what ends up happening? It wears me out trying to be God. It'll wear you out trying to be God. And so that's why you just got to hang on to the Word of God. But listen, here's another area. If your prayers aren't being answered, and you're speaking to the mountain, and it seems like it hits the ceiling, man, we pray and we pray. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. How many of you guys ever been there where you look and say, but God, I've been there. This is one of the biggest hindrances for humanity. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. A condition of prevailing prayer is a forgiving spirit. Now I don't care who you are. If you're walking in unforgiveness, your prayers aren't going to get off the ground. It's not going to happen, guys. And we see right here that Jesus promised and he said, you speak to the mountain and things are going to happen. You pray and things are going to happen. But Jesus also said that if you're walking in unforgiveness, Father God's not going to forgive you. So you know what that means? Your prayers aren't going anywhere. And you can pray morning, noon, and night. Listen, not going to happen. For you or for me. Period. Verse 26. Look what Jesus goes on to say. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now when I read that, I've said this many times. The word of God can be annoyingly accurate. Sometimes I look at the Word of God and say, I don't want to do that. But when my prayers aren't being answered, the majority of the time with me, it's because there's a root of unforgiveness in me. Now, forgiveness, guys, it'll set the tone for your future. Actually, forgiveness, it's what forms your future. Or unforgiveness. The only thing that will break the cycle of the world of payback and revenge is forgiveness. Listen, guys, if you don't forgive or I don't forgive, there's a cycle that goes just like this. Retaliate. Payback. Retaliate. Payback. And and in Ecclesiastes 1, Solomon said this, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same old thing that's been going on for a long time. Now go back with me to the last chapter of Genesis, chapter 50. Chapter 50. If you were here a couple weeks ago, guys, we talked about in Matthew 12, 25, it said that the kingdom divided itself against itself cannot stand. It said a house divided against itself will fall. I believe right now, guys, That this is the heartbeat of Father God for the church, for your marriages, for your home, and for your life. 
find ways to walk in unity. When you feel things that are beginning to try to divide your life, or think, uh-uh, I'm not getting out of unity. I'm going to stay in this place of unity. You know, sometimes the Lord will really, really sit on me. And what do you mean sit on you? Day after day after day. And now for probably three, four weeks, every time I come in here and pray, guys, the Lord sits on me with unity. And I sense him saying, you got to keep in unity in your life. You got to keep unity within the church. And actually, my wife and the team, they're getting ready to leave for Juarez here in just a second. I told her the other day in prayer. I said, you get every one of them that are going with you down there and you tell them, we're going to stay unified. We're going to be in unity. And when you cross into that compound where all those little orphans are, something's going to happen. God's wanting to do something, not only in the orphanage, He's wanting to do something here. And a lot of times, the very thing that will knock you out of unity is unforgiveness. Now, this passage here is the end of a guy named Joseph. Remember Joseph as a 17-year-old. He has these incredible dreams about all these great things he's going to do. Now, those dreams were awesome, but the problem with Joseph is he got a little arrogant. And he got a little prideful. And when you're arrogant and prideful, you got two options. You're either going to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, or number two, the world's going to humble you. Well, guess what happened to Joseph? The latter, the world. So his brothers literally want to kill him. Ultimately, they sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. He lands in Egypt in the home of Potiphar who ultimately his wife falsely accuses him, and now he's in jail. He's in jail for 13 years. Pick up with me. Genesis 50, verse 17. And Joseph's daddy, Jacob, is is dead. And his brothers know daddy's dead. You know what they're thinking? Payback is rough. Oh my gosh, Joseph, now that daddy's dead, he's fixing to unleash. He's going to open a can on us. He's fixing to make it rough on us. Verse 17. Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you please forgive the trespasses of your brothers. Now I can read that right there and I want you to think. The word trespass means they've gone where they weren't supposed to. They violated something. Let me ask you something today. How many of you have had people that have trespassed against you? Look what he says next. Please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin. Every one of us in this room have probably felt like somebody sinned against us. But look at the last one. It says, for they did evil to you. Now, right here, the Bible's not playing or holding back any punches here. It says specifically, they did evil to you. It's very clear that what his brothers did was evil. And maybe you've had somebody do things that were evil to you. But the big question here is, what are you going to do with that evil? What are you going to do it? So Joseph is in, in prison for 13 years. And 13 years, you got an opportunity to become very toxic. 
you can begin to plot and talk about revenge. And ultimately, it's going to contaminate your future. And so Joseph, guys, he chose to forgive. Now, I want to highlight a word there. He chose to forgive. Forgiveness isn't based on a feeling. One morning, you're not going to wake up and feel like forgiving that person. It has to be a choice in your heart and say, Okay, Father God, I need your help in this area. And I believe, guys, here, that without the forgiveness of Joseph, it would have literally changed the future, not only for Joseph and his brothers, but for all humanity. This is where the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel come out of. These guys right here. And so because of Joseph's choice right here, guys, and he had to do it by faith. He had to step out and say, okay, Father God, if you're asking me or telling me to forgive, then I'm going to do it. I believe, guys, just looking through here, this is the first reference of forgiveness in the entire Bible. This was how important what Joseph did. Look at verse number 20, that same chapter. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people. Because of Joseph's heart to forgive. Let me ask you some questions here today. So what's your story? Every one of us in here probably has a story. Who's been cruel to you? Who's mistreated you? Who's cheated you? Who's abused you? Who's lied to you? Who's lied about you? Every one of us, we can sit here and we can begin to ponder that in our minds. The next question is, what are you going to do with all that? Are you plotting revenge? Are you plotting payback? If so, you have no future. This will literally dominate your life and your prayers will never get off the ground. I don't care who you are. You will ultimately become the very thing you hate. Now, this reads the same for me, guys. Years ago, there was a woman here in the church. She was born again, a believer. Believed the Bible, believed the Word of God. She got cancer. And within a period of time, she had a tumor the size of a volleyball in her stomach and so she's admitted to the hospital and so one morning I'd gotten up here to the office and I began to pray you know the Bible says you lay hands on the sick they'll, they'll recover I said Father God in the name of Jesus I just ask you to anoint my hands to pray for her when I go see her in the hospital we're going to lay hands on her well, right after I said that to the Lord the Lord spoke to my heart and said don't pray for her and so I get in the, the, the vehicle and I'm driving up there and I hear the Lord say it again, don't you dare pray for her. And so I'm walking across the street going into the hospital and the Lord, if he's ever dealt with you, if you don't acknowledge him the first time, he'll start getting a little more authoritative with you. And I could sense him rising up in me and saying, do not pray for her. He said, I've dealt with her heart for years 
And she won't obey me. So I get in the elevator, guys, and I'm in the elevator, and I promise you, it felt like God was just standing across from me, poking me in my little chest and saying, don't pray for her. Now, you know what happened? I'm sweating bullets, guys. I mean, I'm perspiring and thinking, oh my gosh. So here's where you come to in this. Do you fear God more than you do man? So I get off the elevator and I knock and I walk into her room and she said, Pastor, I'm so glad to see you today. She said, I hope you brought your healing oil because she said, I want you to anoint me with oil and I want you to pray over me and I'm going to be healed. And Pastor thought, oh, crud. I'm sitting there looking and I'm telling you my little mind is saying, what do I do? The Spirit of God rose up on me. And I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to pray for you. And her whole body counts its change. She glared at me and I said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, he's dealt with you for years and you won't respond to him. And until you respond to him, there's no need me praying for him. You know what the Bible says, you just haven't obeyed it. And she rises up out of her bed and she looks at me and she said, and I'll never forgive him. I knew it was her husband. I'll never forgive that man. She said, I'll die and go to my grave before I forgive him. And I said, so be it. There's no need me praying for you. You know, just about two, three years ago, her husband died. And I believe he died because she would never forgive him. Why don't you tell us that, Pastor? I believe that's important for every one of us to understand I can speak to the mountain all day. I can pray all day. You can do that too, guys. But I'm not going to set you up to fail in your life or my life and understand God's not the one withholding thanks. When we walk in unforgiveness, it's literally a dam to Father God. He, it damns us up. You know what I sense God all week saying? I want to open the, the floodgates. I want to open the spillway. I want to pour blessings on their life. Get ready to show that next video, guys. I want you to watch this video. This is a true story, and this is going to move you in an incredible way. We good? Next thing she knows, she finds herself in the courtroom and watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. Renee wrote to me and said, I now have a mission that I never would have chosen. What she meant by that is that in the years that followed, she began to travel around to schools and churches and different functions, and she would speak about the dangers of drunk driving. But as the years progressed, she felt that something was missing in her presentation. And that's when God put her on So she reached out to Jesus. 
Dr. Harris was visiting the state, I figured he was so the ripple effects of that act of forgiveness were still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself, but she forgave him. Harris said he found an eternal salvation as a result of this act. One by one, So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to them. The story doesn't stop there, though. Renee went to court along with her family, and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years. This blew me away. The reason she did it was so that Eric could have a second chance at life and so that he could join her in their presentation. She told me that now she shares not only about the That's powerful, guys. And I sat there and I, I looked at that and I thought, what would I do under that circumstance? What would you do? A drunk driver kill your daughter. And I began to look and I thought, if this lady can do that, what about us with little petty things maybe that have divided us over and over? And not only did she forgive him, she got his sentence cut in half. I begin to just be moved when I watch this. And I hope it moves you to understand. The only way I rid myself of the inward poison called unforgiveness is to forgive. Stand up with me. Speak to the mountain, I do. Do I believe we can pray and have God answer prayer? I do, wholeheartedly. But I also believe this too, guys. I've got to get my heart adjusted. I can't allow this to build up. So what do we do? I believe this, if you've walked in unforgiveness in your life, you've got to repent to God and say, Father God, this is me. I've walked in unforgiveness. Number two, I must release those people. What does that mean? Well, if you think in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew 23, 34, when Jesus was on the cross dying, he said these words out of his mouth. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus didn't say, I forgive it. He said, Father God, I want you to forgive them. I want you to release them. And the third thing is we must release blessings over them. That's Matthew 5, 43 through 48. 